Welcome to NFT Sundays, a weekly conversation around art and technology, brought to you by Dementi and the Museum of Crypto Art. I'm Colborn Bell of the Museum of Crypto. Mm-hmm. Welcome to our first in-person interview. The wonderful Nicole from Vertical Crypto Arts. I'm Colborn. This is NFT Sundays. Uh, and thank you to Dementi for bringing us here today. Uh, always super, super lovely to see you, Nicole. <laughs> Likewise. And uh, it always seems to come in perhaps like these crucial moments, right? These pivotal changes. You can feel the energy, the, the tide changing, and we've come quite far together. Uh, so first, let's start simple. How are you? I'm okay. It's been a busy start of the year, to be honest. And I feel like now, as you said, it's, you know, it's a moment that it's a bit more quiet. So time for reflection, time for thinking, where am I and where am I going? I think we feel that a lot in the space. Um, a lot of the, you know, a lot of perhaps the icons we grew up with, artist icons have taken a step back. Um, the collectors that we knew perhaps seem to have taken a step back. There has been a, a monumental shift. Um, and it's hard to even begin to put that into words, but let's, let's rewind it perhaps, and talk about uh, what it was like in the beginning and what excited you so much about crypto art and NFTs. I always go back to this because I think about it a lot, actually, about like, why did I start? You know, what was it that led me into doing vertical crypto art or just kind of being interested? I think for me, it's it was always this underground niche culture that was crypto art. And that's been a key to my life, like my in real life life. Um, my passions, you know, what I've been doing before NFTs, before crypto art. And I found that kind of like it was almost like an online underground world that I could tap into. And, and I people, love that. Yeah. And for people that don't know, it was when you came on the scene, it was like, <laughs> it was kind of just like this wonderful moment because you were a, a you were almost like a pure curator, <laughs> right? You, yeah. you, you held such like deep idealism. You had such a keen eye. And you were telling uh, stories at a time where I think, you know, there was power surge on one side doing Absolutely. kind of like the comedy and, 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 the, and, and you were just like the, the high end tastemaker and I, but of course, like still embracing the fun and spirit of it. Um, do you want to maybe just talk about and describe those early feelings yeah, I think, um, first of all, like, Power Surge, oh my God. Yeah, I know. What legend. an idol and what come a back, legend. Yes, yeah. please come back. <laughs> we, we need you. <laughs> we need you and we loved your videos. Like, yeah. he definitely was an inspiration to me. Like, to I was looking at his videos and thinking, this is, first of all, so funny and so cool. Yeah. You know, he really brought a different eye into, like, storytelling of news media and whatnot. Um for me, my angle was always like artist first, kind of, you know, like yeah. talking about what is the story behind the work that is being created. And I remember like the first videos that I did was just kind of like me popping onto Twitter DMs of people being like, hey, you know, I'd like to do some short videos about your work. Are you up for like re- replying to like three, four questions? And like, the that kind of like connection between like me and the artist was like oh my god like somebody wants to know about what I'm doing yeah even though like I'm no one 
I am someone to someone, right? Like this work has meant something to someone on probably the other side of the world because actually the majority of artists that I spoke to initially were from Argentina. Yeah. And, you know, the Argentinian crypto art movement is so fundamental to the history of this movement as a whole. Um, and that's kind of like how, how it started. And I still wanted for it to be like fun, you know, digestible, like for people to, to understand what goes behind these artworks and these stories in a way that feels, you know, less kind of like high end or like very um, curatorially like talked of, you know? It was incredibly accessible. Yeah. But you made it feel valuable. Um, and just yesterday I was speaking also with Julian, right, of Crypto Argentina. Um, and I think that's something that, of course, we, we all shared, right? That rawness and that appreciation, perhaps that understanding of what it meant to create freely within a community mm-hmm. and perhaps not so individualistic. Uh, is there anything you would perhaps maybe want to share about your background that might have informed how these values developed? I mean, for me, like, I don't know if it's something with my background specifically, but I have always thought that winning or like doing things with a group with someone else, like sharing something is so much more fun than doing it alone. And that's how I've done everything in my life. And when I came into crypto art, actually one thing that I found absolutely incredible was the collaborations. So many collaborations, which actually we don't even see that more, that many anymore. Or... And, and for me, it was like, wow, like, you know, all of these artists, like three, four, five, six, even 10 artists, if you think about the early async art pieces, right? Like the big 10, 20 artist yeah. collaborations. Um, they're all coming together because of one shared ideal, one shared vision, and they all want to input creatively into that. I didn't really care about, you know, how much a piece is going to sell, who's going to get what. It's more about the common vision. And that was cool to me because it was kind of my ideals and how I live my life as well. Um, yeah, so I think actually when, when you're talking about now just individualism, I was like, yeah, actually, it's become a very individualistic space, really. And I think you touch on an important point that maybe we can dig into together about how in these collaborations it never really perhaps was about the, the aesthetic of the piece because most of the times it did look disjointed or fractured. <laughs> or but you think about like the async for supper piece, you can see it so clearly. Um, it's what it stood for. Yes. Right? It was those artists coming to the table together to kind of like set the tone uh, and expectation. And, you know, there's another piece on super rare of i think it was the gen z Mm -hmm. collection where that marked a very interesting and pivotal moment in time and there are those collaborative markers um gosh it's so do you feel the weight like i feel the weight of right now yeah a lot of people are exhausted and tired um and less friendly and kind of drowned out by almost like I call it the noise of the casino. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do you think kind of these things might have begun to shift? Um, I think it goes back to money. Yeah. It just goes back to that, right? Like I was, if you think about it at the time, yes, you know, it wasn't like nobody was making money, but 
there wasn't really that much money to be made. Um, so collectors were collecting out of collecting with no kind of ROI concept in mind. And artists were creating because they, were, they f- almost found that they had this output that they could create freely for. And it was just like, wow, now I can do anything I want with no boundaries, no rules, no limitations. I can collaborate with 20 artists if I want to. And, and it, you know, that feeling that almost like it was adrenaline, like it was adrenalinic. Yeah, I don't know if yeah. you say that, but it was. <laughs> I get it, yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. wow. Um, and like going on Twitter for me specifically, like every day was like a um, excitement. It was like coming home to family <laughs> yes, almost. Yeah. yeah. Whilst now I feel I'm literally treading on eggshells, like every single word or every single th- anything, you know, content. It, 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 I have to think about it like probably 20 times and I'm, I'm nervous about it, you know. Um, and I, th- I think it's a shared it's a shared sentiment. I struggle with that same idea of voice. Right. And if we must be struggling with that voice, what is the, I, I imagine the artist would as well. And exactly. I imagine expressing that in this current condition is difficult. And then to begin to market like inauthentic voice um, must be very, very hard. Right. And I, I agree that that you're right. You know, in in the beginning, you have artists who there were pieces. I was, you know, I was digging through almost like a a. Um, I was looking for diamonds in the rough, mm-hmm. call it right, of pieces that were minted two, three years ago, and now if somebody doesn't sell a piece for a week, flooded DMs. What is going on? Drama, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but mostly, like, if, you know, I, I sometimes try to think of it from the other perspective, right? The artist's perspective. And I think, you know, how frightening right. can it be every, every time you need to put yourself on the market? Yeah. And then kind of having that fear of, you know, not selling and maybe being seen by, you know, the community or whatever we want to call it. Oh, you know, this artist has a piece and it's not sold for like a week. Right. And so like, I think about it in in that way and, and, and it's, and it must be scary. And I know it is scary for a lot of artists and that wasn't really the case, you know, like it was more about the output as a creative output rather than the output as a financial output only or not only but partially as well yeah and it kind of changes your whole perspective if you think about it like that even for me yeah like i I imagine even for you like even from a from a a community or brand perspective like when you start thinking about things as a i I used to always call vertical crypto art a project right like and now people are like it's not really a project anymore you know it's like a business yeah and that scares me a little bit it's like yeah but still a project you know like and i think you know the the mindset shift can be problematic i think it relates it's there's a couple words right momentum the the speed of the cryptocurrency and like a, a fear of loss of momentum and loss of voice leading to questions and doubts of like authenticity um and before when it was it was so abstract right there was an exceptionally volatile currency in ethereum or tezos mm-hmm. right and and then there was an artwork and it was never about that mm-hmm. it was more about the timestamp in my mind that blockchain timestamp that like consecrated that relationship um and then like having a conversation about the work or explaining why you know or being like thank you so much for you know selling this to me and now it works almost in the inverse it's like will you buy this yes 
It's interesting when you say that it's a timestamp because actually, like, even, you know, I, I don't consider myself a collector at all, but I have collected art and every single piece brings me back to a specific moment in time, a specific feeling, a specific conversation, a specific interaction. And it is really a diary. It yeah. is like my diary and my timetable and my journey in every way or form into crypto art and in crypto art. Um, I wonder if that's the same for everybody, you know? I, I will just say very like personally and openly that my collector story was one of personal becoming, right? I was at a point where I did not know, mm -hmm. right? And I had done like 2017 to 2020 was a abysmal time to be in crypto as a market, right? And I was feeling both like personally and professionally hurt by a lot of the financial speculation uh, that occurred during that period and like subsequent fallout. Mm -hmm. um, so to find like artists using the medium in a way to express vision and values that reawoke my passion for cryptocurrency in 2017, that was like the philosophical leap. So I, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's, but I agree, each one becomes almost like that song from your past yeah. that when you hear it, you're immediately transported. And even in like the, the, my collection, I think... I see that that fractured, those fractured moments or like an affinity for trash art or something that is like strong or glitchy and, um, and desire to just like transition personally from that financial person that was concerned with those investments to this artistic vision and idea of, of community. Um, not to mention, like, how it was compounded, of course, by, like, coronavirus. Of course. Yeah. And the closeness that I think a lot of people were searching for. It's also, a, I, there's a concept, I think, around, like, tastemakers, right? Like, I think if I look back one, one or two years ago, the tastemakers were really single individuals, right? Like each and every one of us was its own tastemaker. Whether you're an artist, you're a collector, you're whatever. Um, I don't think that's the case anymore. Like I think we, myself included, cumulative as a community, rely on external, like specific tastemakers that are... <laughs> you know, that might, that are not maybe tastemakers per se, but are more financial investment advice, kind of. And yeah. so that has shifted a lot of the, I think, also kind of individual thinking of people hmm. of, of saying, you know, oh, maybe I shouldn't collect or I shouldn't buy this piece because nobody says I should, if that makes sense. Whilst does, at the time... That didn't really happen. You know, you just, you are your own tastemaker. Yeah. And the sharing of the art you collected is more of a celebration of a moment that you have with another person, with another artist or with a, a group of artists, rather than a celebration of a investment of a kind of, I have this money and I spent it on this. There's really wonderful points here. Uh, and, you know, I, I just remember, you know, I collected 350 pieces on Super Rare. I looked at the average price, $300, right? It's, it's hard to believe because now the average price of a Super Rare piece is $50,000, right? So, of course, like, I, I still see wonderful art there, but I, I can't buy it. And so much of the fun was just 
putting those little bits of that collage in order at like a price I could afford. Yeah. So the market to me now, I don't go back. Like I'm uninterested because I don't even be- want to begin to like pretend that I can like afford and play in this or because I don't frankly ever want to sell anything. It's, it's emotional. It means more to me than it would to anybody else. And maybe this is just a good opportunity to, uh, because I, I never did, but I know you're very active there. Like talk about what is happening on Tezos mm-hmm. and maybe again, like trace, trace the whole thing. Yeah. That's interesting because it's exactly how I kind of felt when, so for me, like when I started uh, looking into crypto art, I think like it was super, it was already unaffordable, you know, yeah. like it was already off my budget. Yeah. So I was, I was looking at art. I was definitely speaking about the art and connecting with the artists. But, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because when you go into crypto art, you also want to collect. Like you want to have that digital timestamp. You know, you want to be able to say, this is mine. Like I own this token. You know, we, yeah. we, I have this on the blockchain. And I, I really couldn't do that. That's also why I was work. You know, we were doing a lot with Rarible because yeah. Rarible had that space and place for um, lower entry points, but still amazing art, amazing emerging talented uh, artists. And it's funny you mentioned that because the marketplace was ruined just to come full circle yes. when they financialized it with the Rari token. They did, and when they went kind of. Well, then it got very More scammy. Mass. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. With like, you know, the Twitter drops and like some of the bigger brands or the Pepsi or I, I remember well, like there the was like... the triple X stuff yeah, was really exactly. terrible. Yeah, yeah which, is, which, is, um, which is a shame. But yeah, like, and that's when, when kind of that happened because I think it was very close. Like the Rary token, I think, was like November, December or something like that mm. of 2020. And then Tezos and Hick at Nung started in like end of Feb. Yeah. Um, of 2021. Yeah. And I, I, like, I found this, thanks to Mario uh, Quasimondo, who I definitely always, like, uh, you know, say that we kind of, like, found this little, like, paradise of art together. Um, I was like, wow, you know, this is, like, this is amazing. Like, here people don't care. They don't care about what they're selling for. They just want to do art exactly like kind of how it started yeah and so for someone who is maybe you know not as technical and not like within all that doesn't know all of the nuances of each and every blockchain i was like this is incredible you know like what is Mm. happening here is why i fell in love with crypto art all over again and it really created like a culture and a community and an ecosystem which still to this day keeps thriving really on the same on these same values and it led more artists in and more artists in and artists who would have never really minted before if it wasn't because of the low kind of accessibility and the low minting fees and whatnot and one thing that I you know I was speaking to somebody completely random person like the other day and he he told me oh but you know like nfts are just for like very wealthy people and to hear these things like kind of breaks my heart a little bit because if you if you hear vitalik speaking about ethereum that's not why the blockchain was created right. it was exactly the opposite and so tezos is an ecosystem which allows that and allows for people to understand the value of the blockchain and what it means and what a token is and how they can have an output without being cut out. It's low stakes, yeah. lower stakes, right? Lower stakes, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, but that's where you see our thrive. Exactly. That's where you really see our thrive, yeah. when people are free to create. Exactly outside and it's just such an interesting and terrible thing you know i i i you know i i don't have any kids but now i feel like i know what it's like for your kid to like leave the house (laughs) and then go make a mistake 
you know, and that like hurts, but there's nothing you can do and you can yell and scream and you can be reactionary, but it doesn't change the fact that the thing is evolving and growing and, and going to go through its own trials and mistakes. And, and, but if you think about it, like, I mean, I, I, I was talking to some of the artists of our residency the other day and I told them, um, if I think about Ethereum now, like I rarely think about art anymore. Yeah. I rarely think about art. I know there's some great artists on, on, on super rare and all of these like big marketplaces. But to be honest, my first conscious thought when I say the word Ethereum is really collectibles yeah. and that whole ecosystem. Um, if I think about art at the moment, it, it is on Tezos. That's where I go to find, look, be fully immersed into the art and culture like ecosystem. To me, it's so parallel to 2017 because all of those tokens were utility tokens, mm-hmm. right? And it became, people came and they asked like, what is the utility of the art? And it's just like, it's, it, you know, if it's not catharsis for the individual to just put that out there and express that, then they're not creating for anything other than that. And hopefully, maybe, I don't even know if an artist, some artists don't care how you feel and react to it. Um, so we saw that, right? And it was something as simple and stupid as like the tiniest pixel screen that was the utility that turned it all into a casino exactly it is a casino yeah it's really heavy (laughs) and people are you know they want to win but the that there are you know i don't want to be all doom and gloom of course because you know there are there are incredible people here and there are incredible artists who we just know are committed um and they will step up when the time is right and lead the way with like the, the strength of their voices and i mean i think we're you know being here in this home physically present yeah. in the mocha home actually is in a way you know it feels like definitely something has shifted for the positive like something has been created out of a common vision, out of that kind of those values that are there within the crypto art space that I think are still there. And, you know, this, this church where we're at is an embodiment of that. It was certainly an intentional symbol, right? And I always like to play with like the reappropriation of sacred symbols and like decade old symbology right this is um it's pretty special to begin to feel out and understand this space and what we're capable of and uh i guess we can say like you know last night we had nine people for dinner and everybody slept here and it feels so and and people ask like when was the last time you cooked for this many people and it it yeah. like it it racked my brain. I don't know years, years and years. Um, so I think there is like a glimmer of of hope in it all. And you know, I know you. I think do a better job than myself of like kind of keeping a physical <laughs> digital balance. Uh, I try. It's tough, you know, because in a way, like the online space and so much time we spent online, you create a very um, safe place and a very like safe, you know, group and like kind of cover for yourself. And when you have to go out into the physical world, um, you're exposed to many things. You're exposed to yourself, like you're exposed to trying to depict what you're doing uh, for people who maybe don't know. Like you're exposed to, for me specifically, like not being a massive like extrovert, as you know very well. Um, yeah, it's like, it's, 
it brings up like a lot of like things. Um, but I also think like it's necessary, a hundred percent. And there's connections that you make when you meet people and when you talk to people, especially people who you've been talking online for two years. You know, sure. I met Judy the other day yeah. and, you know, we've been talking about the same things, about our common values and ethos and communities that we nurture and grew, especially Judy and Bea from Dada, yeah. for, you know, over a year now. And to have that moment to share these things is, is just so special. And so to have like places like this or, you know, other like places around the world where you can like have that moment together. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it, it brings you, it makes, it gives you comfort because you think I'm not alone. Yeah. And there's more people that think like me. I mean, they keep, they keep the spirit for me. Yeah. Right. Uh, like Venezuelan anarchist, like just go push crush like, and, and they seem to have largely stepped out of the markets. Yes. Which maybe is, is the light for us all. <laughs> It's the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully may we be so lucky to just sit and create and step out of the market. Um, there was something that I did want to speak with you about, and it was in relation to this idea of the, the online being the safe space, the curation of your own friend network and group, um, and the idea of like digital metaverse spaces, right? So maybe the first question is, uh, what... What ideals do you dream and hold for metaverse? Inclusivity, accessibility, and weirdness, to be honest. Yeah. Like, just those three things combined. I think accessibility and inclusivity is definitely key, which at the moment, it's a struggle, I believe. Uh, but also like, you know, the, the concept of the digital metaverse, whatever that means, in my mind is, is a place where there's no boundaries, even architecturally speaking, you know, we're, yeah. we're in the metaverse, we can do whatever we want, yeah. really. Um, and so just kind of like play with that, play with that concept of making it fun and weird and maybe not aesthetically pleasing and not as we experience physical spaces. Um, and through that concept of experiencing things differently in the digital world, then also like allowing for that creativity to, to come out in that way. And that was the scariest thing for me about Facebook metas metaverse <laughs> was just the sterility of it. Yeah. Right? Just like it was so sterile. What is that if not like a place to further like confine and define and like put you in, you know, a box where you have like the pretend uh <laughs> It, 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 yeah, it starts to get like very wally for me of just like people trapped in chairs, like riding around. And it's the concept of like, I think goes back to like wanting to define, wanting to label, wanting to stop in a way. Like there's this, this sense of like, I was thinking about this actually like a lot. It's like innovation, you know, like the concept of innovation, but it goes up to a certain point and then it gets stopped because it's like, but not too much, you know, right. not too much innovation, not right. too much creative freedom, not too much of anything. You know, it's better to cap it at a certain level. And that's how kind of going back to where we started this conversation. That's why crypto art existed because it's like, there's no 
caps here. Well, just the caps of Robinus maybe, but like there's no <laughs> cap in what we can do, you know. This is uncapped. But there is a constant pressure from especially like big brands and, you know, these kind of like bigger entities to cap. And maybe that's what we're feeling is like the, the exponential uptake of the ability to express creativity, like hitting that ceiling, right? And trying to, but no, just like getting tamped down. Yeah, um, exactly. Because those forces are incredibly powerful and they're very mysterious. So it's very hard to like direct anger. I, you know, there is this... Uh, a quote I'll never forget from an artist, Brandon Walsh, right? Hmm. Who he can tell his own story, but was was homeless for many, many years. He used to, like he would tell me, he used to pick up trash and show people online trash bags and they'd send him like $10 worth of Ethereum, right? Uh, and he told me that like they they encourage you to look at each other so you do not look up, Right? Uh, and I feel that same sentiment. I hear it from a lot of people in that the outside continues to feel scarier and scarier. Um, doubly, triply, 10x so because of like the pandemic and for social distancing and like the psychological effects of seeing somebody else as a threat, mm -hmm. the dehumanizing of like masks, um, I worry about kind of like the long-standing traumatic effects of this and the way this is shaping people to like stay indoors, stay online, you know, get into more like addictive and compulsive behaviors. Especially when, you know, the online is, can basically be as you said like a digital casino right yeah and um and then you're constantly chasing some sort of golden pot you know like at the end of the rainbow like like running it's, it's, towards it's the literally end of the it's literally bored ape yacht club right you are like bored you do not know what to do you aspire to be in like the yacht club you just like are compulsive and animalistic. And that for me is, is really funny because I worked uh, as a research assistant in a primate cognition lab. So I would spend like all day studying how monkeys think and perform on cognitive tests. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. For many years I did this. Wow. Um, and I see a lot of parallels. And it's frightening, mm. right? Because there is this base evolutionary, um, like, plug, perform, like, seek, reward. Mm -hmm. And it could be a reward as small as, like, a banana pellet. Definitely. Yeah. Yes. And it, it does. It becomes a very individualistic game. Absolutely. It is very individualistic, even though, you know, the word community, I think, gets um, bounced around a lot. It's, it's probably the, the most misused word around the ecosystem, because realistically, like, yeah, you know, there's, there's a, I think, you know, there's a, a, a greater kind of good effort that comes out of Web3 and a lot of initiatives. Like, you know, if you think about currently what's happening with ukraine like there's a lot of good initiatives that have come out of like the web free ecosystem from that right. and people joining in together but when we talk about community and like you know we're all in this together we you know we're all artists like we're all together in something realistically like that's not really how it is everybody is on their own journey whether it's good or bad you know even us specifically are in our own journey. We might share like similar ethos, similar values, but again, like, yeah, I see it as, as a very individualistic space, really. 
Yeah. And a very siloed space as well. And I generally think like, maybe this is me personally, but like giving money is the lowest effort to like make you feel good about yourself and say that you did something. Yeah, true. Right? Like if you cared, you would do something. Um, and it's hard. Feeling helpless, feeling like vulnerable is is hard but how it gets like expressed or turned into art or turned into a meme or i think that is like again capturing that sovereignty that act of creation uh that that power yeah it, i think it just kind of all comes back to that idea of creative freedom and i don't think a lot of in the current space i personally don't think a lot of artists feel they can be creatively free. Yeah. And I think, as they would like to. And I think the whole purpose in the beginning was to tell more people they were artists. Yeah. Right? And that they could be creatively free. But, but I also think, on a positive note, they should. Yeah. And, like, we should bring it back to that moment. And we should embrace artists that are experimenting, that are creatively free, that really don't see the only output as the market output for their work. Right. I, I kind of always go, go back to him, but I do think that somebody like Robness sets an example for that. Yeah. Where he really has always done whatever he wanted. And yes, now he's seeing, you know, a lot of like recognition and a lot of like limelight for what he's done but he kind of always was creatively free. Yeah. And as him, many others. Um, if you think about Salabelle, I, I probably think about the same, you know? Yeah. Missal Simpson, the same. Like, yeah. creating for creating. Yeah. And then, you know, there's, a, there's an output for sure. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, I think about X-Copy a lot and I think about those images and it's so interesting that, you know, like they took X-Copy to such enormous heights, but somebody like Norman Harmon, who's yeah. like a critique and visual aesthetic is just as strong, uh, you know, why? I don't know. Why? Yeah. I, I don't know. It, there's, there's a lot of inexplicable things and, and the market is certainly, certainly irrational at times and why things build momentum or, or get started is... It's been so interesting to see when that happens. It's its own living, breathing force that, and I mean, you know, it's not all bad. Like I think obviously what uh, Snowfro did with art blocks and creating a marketplace for generative Definitely. art was fundamental. Absolutely. You know, and it gave people a, a tremendous opportunity. And, and Kenny Schachter always says like, like you guys, you, you built a market for digital artists where there was none. There is like real, honest to God, infrastructure with provenance and authenticity and like an ability to preserve uh, and store these artworks. So it's not all bad. No, it isn't. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel we're, we're living... No, I, I'm excited every day about what I do. Like right. I, I wake up and I am excited to work, if I can call it work, you know, like uh, of doing what I'm doing uh, and of living this moment and of being able to speak to so many talented creators and thought leaders and whoever is, you know, thinking and feeling and doing. Um, and it is in many ways a renaissance, a revolution, yeah. uh, a huge technological innovation. I just think it kind of sometimes needs to be reminded that, you know, there's values, there's ethos, there's things that are important beneath the, the market yeah. that are currently hidden, but are there. And I think we're discouraged now, perhaps, <laughs> but for many artists and individuals this is the first time they've purchased crypto they now understand how to use like a browser extension and wallet um many are getting hardware wallets they're learning through doing 
And I always tell people, like, if you want to begin to understand, take a bit of money and invest it. Yes. And start to follow and, yes. and begin to play. Um, that is generally more of a first world luxury, but there are alternative systems that are low cost. And there are people willing to give grants to artists to create. And you are out there like, like, like bless you for <laughs> your residency program. Um, can we just, can you tell people about that? Cause it's, it's probably the, one of the best and brightest lights in this space. Yeah. I mean, it's something that came out of a need, right? Like artists needed education. They needed tools, resources that would allow them to be onboarded onto Web3 and be onboarded onto crypto art in a way that would provide them some guidance and a community, like an actual community of people that are like-minded and in your same space globally. Yeah. And um, that's how it started, you know, like the idea was to really as an experiment, to be honest, like in June last year, I was like, let's try out this concept of an online NFT residency and see how it turns out. Yeah. Um, and it's gone really well. Really? And uh, artists are getting eight to 12 weeks of classes on all sorts of things, you know, from speaking to you and Shivani to Untitled XYZ to people like Art Gnome, to Dada, to really like, I can't even like, we have, you know, 30 plus mentors teaching classes and not only doing one-to-ones and just sharing their knowledge and time and skills and resources and talking about important topics such as hardware wallets, you know, yeah. what are hardware wallets? How do you secure your assets? Like all of these like things and and essential topics that are very native to the nft space it's not an artist residency like i always say that we're not a standard art residency where artists go and create no we're here to give global artists the tools the knowledge the resources to access the nft space and to at least find a starting a good starting base it's, it's the most beautiful thing. It reminds me of like university and the friends <laughs> that I made there because I see these people from all around the world, like Cuba, like Eastern Europe, uh, Norway, and they, they remain friends. Yeah. And they're like commenting and supporting yes. and they stay in these groups. It's, and it's, it's insane. Like, yeah. honestly, it's, it's really like, to me, I know it's, it's super cheesy, but it is really the most heartwarming thing I've ever done in my life. It's touching. To, to yeah. do something like that and to see them kind of like, you know, supporting each other, collaborating, creating their own little communities within this wider community. It's yeah. just like, it's really special. And yeah. that is something that's like, goes away from the market, goes away from money, goes away from, it's just people, you know, human interactions. And it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's special. It's incredibly special. And it stays, you know, they're not going like, they're all there. <laughs> like they're all supporting each other and they found uh, ways to, you know, I always say this actually when we start, it's like, I encourage you to find a safe space within this space because you will need a safe space because yeah. you really need a safe space within the NFT ecosystem. And so I have my safe space, you know, with you, with Shivani, with, you know, Dada, Judy, Bea, like Fanny, like I have my safe people, right? Yeah. And you really need those safe people. And that is fundamental as well when artists onboard onto the NFT space that they have a lifeguard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, something something to ground, and it must be the biggest problem: the amount of like misinformation, disinformation, exactly. nowhere to get good quality content. Um, because what is marketed is 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 wrong. Uh, so maybe we can help inform minds through through talks like these. Definitely. Um, 
what re- are there any resources that you like? <laughs> Where do you go for information? So uh, actually, there's a few things that have popped up lately, which I really enjoy. Yeah. One of them is Right Click and Save. Right Click Save is amazing. From Artnome. Yeah. And the other is Outland. Yeah. Uh, and I really value what they're doing and the content that they're putting out. It's critical. It's interesting. It's thought-provoking. It's artist-focused. Um, <coughs> and it's, yeah, it's where I'm going now to find good content, good resources, good information. Well, it's probably... <coughs> what about you? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I love I love right click save. Uh, Twitter to me it feels like the algorithms changed. <clears throat> it feels like I used to be able to find voices um, and no longer. Uh, We're governed by an algorithm, you know. Like we spend yeah. our days, our time. Yeah. My Discord is just like bombed out, <laughs> right? Like I will go to my team channel. And I will go to the Mocha channel, but like everything else is like, I have to go through like a hundred DMs. It's so bad. I, I, um, yeah, I, I don't know. And maybe I just need to like step away for a bit, yeah. uh, and be less digital because it's the expectations to keep up are just impossible. Impossible. It's impossible. And like being empathetic and kind people that are willing and wanting to help, like you can't do it for everybody. So how to scale it? I don't know but it's going to take time, right? And everything that is being rushed to market, that is being promoted, that is fast and loose, in my opinion, is not quality. I agree. Yeah. It's like the simple, quick, and easy has never been a good way for me. Yeah. Let's say something positive and we'll send it home. What are you most excited about? I'm actually very excited about this moment in time because I think it brings together niches and like-minded individuals to form a safe space Mm. and to come together building what we've just discussed about and, you know, common values and common ideals. And so I think in moments like these where everything is very noisy is when little kind of communities then get created. And I think this is what I'm excited about and it will happen and it is happening. I love that. Yeah. Uh, so thank you everybody again, Nicole. Thank you. Yeah, with Vertical Crypto Art. I'm Colborn with Museum of Crypto and thank you so much to Dementi for the production. Breaking news. 